0: Good morning. Good morning. This is a weird group to talk to, I'm not going to lie. It's something about talking to a group of men, you just feel like you got you to gotta be your best. And s- s- what time is it? 7.09 is not usually where I'm feeling my best. <laughs> the first time I met Johnny, well, I, I remember seeing Johnny. Man, I was a teenager. I, I was probably... 15, 16 years old, I remember, it's my first memory of him, I was playing basketball, we were playing pickup ball, and he was out there playing with us, and uh, I, I think I took a shot, Johnny was guarding me, I think I took a shot and I missed it, and I said a word uh, that I'm not going to say now, <laughs> it was just a sailor phase I was going through at that time, and I, I said Something. And he just, in shock and surprise, as I can now completely understand why, he turns and looks at me, and he's like, what did you say? And I just sort of sheepishly ran down the court, feeling his disappointment (laughs) the whole way down, and just thought, I got to stay away from him for the time being uh, until I get things figured out. Johnny was... He was my boss for a short period of time until he realized that that probably was not what he wanted to do with his life. <laughs> but I've known him for, gosh, a really long time. It's been, it's been over 20 years, and I'll just say this about this man. I really admire him. I know a lot of men in this room do, and that's a, that's a thing to say when you're a man, to say to another man that you admire them. I really admire him. He's an incredible guy. He's a faithful man. And when I look at him and his family, what they've done, not just with business, really that's that's sort of a subplot to me where I see how he's led his family and how he has just stuck with it faithfully. I think that's something that we can all admire, we can all aspire to, I look up to. And I look at this room of men and I think, what a thing to gather and collect a group of men to be able to relay the heart of God and how that pertains to manhood and what that can look like in our lives and what a leader uh, to follow here. And so, Johnny, we love you. We love you. You're an amazing guy. So thank you so much for having me here. I'll tell you just a little bit about me. Um, I am a middle son, uh, middle child, rather. I've been around these parts for a long time. Uh, Born and raised here. Spent three years in Los Angeles Uh, most recently. I won't talk a lot about that. Three years there. It was really incredible. Moved away, got perspective. Um, Got perspective. Saw people in a completely different way. The things that work here don't work there. Uh, A lot of the things don't work. And I just mean like relationally, talking to people about God. I talk to people about God in all different kinds of scenarios. None of them were the bullhorn and the sign on Hollywood Boulevard telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but just talking to people in coffee shops Uh, inviting people into my house, talking to them about the church that we started, talking to them about God and what he could look like in their lives. Uh, Some really awkward, really uncomfortable moments there, dealing with people, talking to people. One time I was in the middle of talking to everyone in my house. There's about 30 people in there in my living room, all crammed in. And I'm in the middle of talking. I don't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't heresy. It was something about faith. A guy raises his hand in the middle of the message. This was his context with sort of the church environment, like it's, it's, it's school. I raise my hand, and he says to me, um, none of what you're saying actually works. That's what I dealt with. So I just ask that none of you do that. If you don't do that, we're going to be okay. This is going to be a great, great 20 minutes. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was really neat to be there. It was really neat to come back home. This is a church, obviously, that is in my DNA. I love it here. I love the people here. I love serving here. I love serving my brother here. I believe deeply in the vision that God's put in his heart. And uh, it's just an honor. It's an honor to walk with people. One of the things that I can certainly tell you that you will miss if you don't have is community and being apart from community for a while and not having a brotherhood is something that you, you can take for granted really easily. You can walk into spaces like this and walk out and not feel the power of it. But I can say, if you're alone, if you ever know what that feels like to be isolated, that this is incredibly powerful, and it will keep you moving in the right direction if you let it. And that's what this is for today. And I was, I've been thinking about this a lot. Johnny asked me if I would speak a while ago, and... Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. This is really, a, it's a really, like I said, it's a different room to talk to. It's, a, it's an honor, it's a privilege to speak into the souls of people in any capacity, but especially to talk to a room filled with men, uh, to me is something I take very seriously. But I also know, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. This is one of those rooms where I don't always feel like, man, I, I can relate to everyone in this room. I am, I am a man. Uh, I, 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 I wore <laughs> shoes with flowers on them today, intentionally just to kind of say, you know what, I, 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 I'm comfortable with not being the manliest man. I may look like the manliest man, as I know you're all thinking. Um, <laughs> but whenever I, I think of men's breakfast, I always think of my dad. I always think of my dad. I think that is an environment designed for Willie. <laughs> That's what I think. And so I've been considering this and contemplating it. Lord, what do you want me to say? Because it's very, very, very important to me that God speak, that God speak. I, I, I know in myself, I don't possess the words to lead all of you appropriately, but I know God does. And so I believe that he's given me something and I'm passionate about it. I believe it's very, very, very important for all of us. And so I'm gonna get to that here in just a second. I wanna read a scripture then I'll pray, and then I'll go. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says this. He says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses." so that Christ's power may rest on me. Would you join me in prayer real quick? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a father. Thank you for toiling with us. When we don't deserve it, we can always come back to you. We can stand before you boldly because of your grace. I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, many of them I know, many of them I don't. But you have them on a path. They are walking. Whether they feel like they're on that path or not, they're on the path. And you are leading us, and you are showing us, and you are teaching us something that we desperately need to know. And today, Lord, I believe that you have given me another tool, a tool that we can all use, that we can pick up, that if we put into action can change our lives. And I just ask you uh, to speak clearly through me and uh, help me to articulate this well for their sakes, not mine. It's not a performance, uh, but I just thank you for the opportunity. Bless everyone in this room who serves, who has given their time to pull this together, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Whenever I was thinking about this, I, I, I talking to a room full of men, I always think strength. It's gotta be, it's you gotta be strong. <laughs> talking to men, it's just a very male thing. Strength. It doesn't just have to be physical strength, but strength is something that is synonymous. With us, it's something that we feel like we have to project as men. I, I, I see it all the time. We got to project it even if we don't got it. Right? I see this all the time. Some of you I know from the gym. I see you in the gym usually at this time in the mornings, and we're doing something very different today and eating biscuits and gravy. But we project strength a lot. I was, uh, I think I was about 17 years old. We had, we, a group of friends and I, had just started learning how to work out. We had just started exercising and the church had a gym at that time. It's actually still there. It's in one of the buildings over here, kind of a smaller room. And we had gone in there and we had been trying to figure out how to exercise and watching videos. I actually bought the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of bodybuilding, which is like that thick. And I I read through it. I read through everything. I was determined. I was determined to get bigger and better and whatever. And so I'm in this weight room with my friends and One day we're in there, and this man walks in. A man walks in who worked at the church at the time. I think he was over security. Uh, He walks into the weight room, and he doesn't say anything to us. It's not a huge room, but he doesn't speak to us. He walks in, and he has on jeans, cowboy boots, a button-up short sleeve shirt. He walks in kind of smug. He looks at us, doesn't say a word. Walks over to this seated chest machine basically like a seated bench press. And he sits down on this machine, real tough. (laughs) And on this machine is an apparatus at the the base where you can put your feet, you can put your feet on this lever and push it to get the chest press from here to here, just to give you a boost up for your first rep. That's what it's for. He sits down, He puts both feet on this and pushes and keeps pushing it like this. Just using the apparatus to move the weight, does 10 reps like this, pushes the thing, and basically all he's doing with his upper body is moving it from here to here. That's it, right here to here. Basically, he was working like ankles and maybe throat. (laughs) (laughs) He does 10 reps <clears throat> gets up, looks at us, doesn't say a word, walks out of the room thinking he's a boss. <laughs> we all just kind of look at each other and laugh because it's just like he has no idea what this machine is actually for. He has no idea how to use it. But he came in here to prove something to us, to show us that he's strong. He's just got to project strength. You got you to gotta make sure that people know that you're strong. And this is a really male thing for us to do, to project Strength, even when we don't have it. And I've found that most often we project it when we don't have it in an area where we're a little bit insecure. If we're insecure about it, we feel the need to project it. Like I said, I'm wearing shoes with flowers on it. Why? Because I don't care. These shoes anger people periodically. Men will come up to me and go, you know, you got flowers on your shoes. I'm like, I know. And it doesn't bother me. You can question my manhood all day long if you want in this area, (laughs) i'm good it does not offend me i don't think i'm not i'm not nervous when i wear my shoe it doesn't bother me at all because i'm not insecure at all i gotta tell you this this is kind of sums it up i think my dad as many of you know is a hunter and he has killed more deers than blue tongue and (laughs) I'm not a hunter. Whit and I, we're not hunters, and the reason we're not hunters is because my dad never hunted when we were growing up. I'm not going to say that's the only reason we're not hunters, but my dad never hunted. He started hunting after we got out of the house, and so a lot of people will ask us, people who know my dad, like, "I bet you love to hunt." I'm like, "No, actually, <laughs> I'm really indoorsy." You know, like I, I enjoy <laughs> air conditioning, and and my idea of camping is like a questionable Marriott. You know, <laughs> mountain men, people have been trying to get me to go on mountain men. I'm no ground men, ground men, beach man. When that starts, I'll go. But going up into a place where I'm uncomfortable, it could be cold, uh, no air, can, whatever it is. Like I just, it's not really, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. My dad asked us to hunt. He's asked me a couple of times in the beginning, but he realized quickly This probably isn't going to work, so he stopped inviting us. Well, one time he was going on this hunting trip, and it actually sounded like fun. It sounded enjoyable, mainly because a private jet was involved. One of the guys going on the trip had a jet, and the whole plan was after a Lincoln football game, a group of men were going to get on this private jet and fly to New Mexico and antelope hunt. And he asked me, he's like, does that sound like fun to you? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll do it. I don't mind private plane. I mean, I I can deal with the hunting, but there's just something about watching football and then going to get on a private jet and flying somewhere that really appealed to me. (laughs) (laughs) My indoorsy nature. And so we fly there, we get there late at night, wake up way too early, drive for a couple of hours, go to this, I don't know, the wilderness in New Mexico to antelope hunt. We meet the guides there. And I know nothing about hunting, nothing, nor do I pretend to. I don't project any strength in this area because I have no insecurity when it comes to this. I don't hunt, I don't know anything about it. I will not be shamed because of it. Well, we get there, we meet with the guides, and uh, they're talking to us about what it's going to look like. And really quickly into the process, I, I kind of realize, like, man, what have I got myself into? This is going to be a lot of walking, you know, through mountains. I have no idea how you hunt an antelope. I'm trusting this guy; he knows what he's doing. And so they ask the guides, "Ask, all right, are you guys ready to go? Who wants to go first?" And my dad volunteers me. I, I'm just to get me out of the way. I promise. Just like, "What, well, Gabe? Why don't you go first?" And uh, he goes, "We're going to stay here in glass." And I'm like, "I have no idea what that means. Uh, apparently, binoculars." Anyway, I go out with this guide looking for antelope. We just start walking. We just start walking in a direction. Some of you have been hunting. You've hunted these kinds of animals. You know what I'm talking about. You just, you just from camp, you begin to walk. And I'm walking, and we're walking for a while, and I'm carrying this massive, like, sniper rifle. <laughs> and we're walking through... <laughs> this is awesome. We're walking through... The wilderness of new mexico up hills and the foot of mountains and all this stuff and and I'm, i'm learning quickly like we're just gonna walk till we find these antelope i didn't i was thinking that we would just drive somewhere where they're at and then get out and shoot them like maybe god would lead one of them to me and i would just go thank you and you know cut its throat well we go to where these antelope, we see them, we see them, they're way, way, way away, like they're just little dots, and as we walk just barely closer, they all kind of run off, and then we walk for another hour or 30 minutes or whatever, we catch up to them again, they go again, and I asked the guide, he was kind of a younger guy, I asked him, I said, are they running because of us? And he's like, yeah, and I was like, What? We are miles from them, and they're on to us walking through this field or wherever we are. Like, how are we going to get them? And he's just kind of annoyed with me, becomes increasingly annoyed with me as we continue to walk. <laughs> well, we are going, we're going, we're going. The herd spooks and goes, spooks and goes. And then finally out of the herd, there's one straggler. And as we get closer, we realize that this antelope is wounded. And I ask him, I say, what's, what's the story with that one there? And he's like, well, he's wounded. And I was like, and? <laughs> he's like, well, typically hunters don't like to shoot wounded animals. I'm like, we're in luck. I'm not a hunter. <laughs> and so I'm like, he can't move. You know, this is working out great. So we, he's like, all right. He gets excited because he's thinking this is going to end. You know, and we get closer to this antelope we're, he's trying, it's, you know, it's, in another world, it would be heartbreaking. I can't tell the story in California. They would have kicked me out of the state, <laughs> but we get closer to this antelope and I have my rifle and he's like, he's standing beside me and he says, just, just see if you can find the antelope in, in the scope there. And so I pull the gun up and I'm trying to locate this antelope. Well, I see it. I see it. And it finds its way into the crosshairs. And when I, when that happens, I just pulled the trigger. Well, he's standing beside me and apparently you're not supposed to do that because you can deafen the person next to you because the sound of the blast. (laughs) He goes like this. He's like, man, you can't do that. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't, I just, he was in there and I know we're trying to get out of here. And so I shot and I hit the thing. I hit it in the stomach. Worst place apparently to shoot an animal because it'll just keep running. Well, it keeps running. He's like, all right, come on, we gotta go after it. We catch up to it, another half hour later, find this antelope. He's like, all right, let's do it again. See if you can locate it. And there was some brush, some of that New Mexico shrubbery out there. And I pull the gun up and I'm trying to find it. And it goes in between a couple of these bushes and it was was like 300 yards away, I think. And I see it in the scope and I do it again. I pulled the trigger again. The guy is right there in the same spot. I don't think he's hurt again since that point. Well, he goes down like this. He's like, man, you can't do that. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I got excited. I saw the thing and I, I I hit the thing. It was a miraculous shot. It was hundreds of yards. I drilled the thing in the head, which is the other worst place to shoot an antelope. I was really proud. I was like, headshot. I've been playing a lot of Halo. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what I've been working on. Don't tell me it's worthless, because I just dropped it. Well, we, we walk up to the antelope, and it's not dead. And it's sitting there, just breathing all heavy. <laughs> and I walk up. As we walk up, we're talking. The thing just with whatever strength it had left looks up at me like why <laughs> why did you do that and guys i'm not afraid to say this it was it was sort of heartbreaking in that moment for me because i was just like man i'm not supposed to be this close to animals like this you know i mean this is i'm sitting here looking at this beautiful creature that i don't even care i'm i don't even care that i'm here i'm just trying to get out of here and you're dead now because I'm just trying to get out of here. And he looks at me just dumbfounded as to why I would do this. And the guide says to me, he's like, all right, you need to finish it. And he pulls out a knife. And I'm like, whoa, 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 We're not gonna do that, all right? No knives. That's a little too personal for me. And he's like, well, I guess you can shoot it. And I was like, all right, let's do that. And I'm like, I'm gonna put it out of its misery. And right before I pulled the trigger, I had to ask him where, you know, where do you want me to shoot? And He's like, the heart, you know, will work. So I put the gun there right before I pull the trigger. I say, it's not going to splatter like a pumpkin, is it? And he just looks at me like, you're the biggest idiot I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. I shot the thing, it breathes real heavy, and then it goes. Well, my dad comes up and he's like, man, great, great job, Gabe. You, you got it. Do you want to keep the cape? I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He's like, do you want to mount it? And I was like, well, how much is that going to cost? Several hundred dollars, he says. I'm like, nope, nope, we'll just leave it right here, (laughs) right where it sits. I'm going to go back to camp. And that was the end of it. And I'm sitting there in this moment, and I I am feeling a pressure from my father that I am disappointing him in some way, just because I just like, here I am, I'm embarrassing the whole group of of men, because I don't know what I'm doing. And the guide is looking at me and he, he can't hear anything. And he's looking at me and he's thinking, I hate this guy, but I feel no pressure. I feel no pressure. It does not bother me at all. Telling that story, there's no shame in it whatsoever. And I say that all to say this, that where there's no insecurity, there's no false strength, no insecurity, no false strength. Think about that as it pertains to you. Think about your life. Think about the areas where you feel like you kind of bow up a little bit or where there's, where there's a party, you don't want to talk about it. You don't, want to, you don't want to go there. There are areas of neutrality in all of our lives. That's one for me. Hunting's one for me. For some of you, it could be like, you, know, you talk, hear people talking about the gym. For you, you're just like, I don't care. It makes no difference to me. For other people, it's like, well, this is where I got my degree. It does not matter to you whatsoever. That is an area of neutrality. But not, for all of us, every person in this room, there's a spot in us or spots in us, areas in us, things we deal with where we have kind of no trespassing signs. There's a weakness there. There's a weakness there. And to me, it's not so much the weakness that's the problem. I'll say this, that everyone in this room has weakness. I think it's an epidemic in manhood that we fail to recognize and admit and acknowledge our weaknesses. I don't quite understand why we are so nervous to do that. But then there are areas of my own life where I would say, man, I have a hard time admitting my weakness in this area. And I think it's an epidemic because I think it's keeping us as men from what we're supposed to be. And it's keeping a separation amongst us. It keeps separation in our family from fathers to sons, fathers to daughters, fathers, husbands to to wives that there's a part of us that has such a hard time admitting the fact that we have a weakness. But there's a newsflash. Every single one of you in this room, every one of us has weakness. Every one of us has weakness. And to me, the problem is not our weakness. It's not the fact that we have weakness, that we just have to figure out, how can I minimize all of my weaknesses? It's the fear of weakness that is the problem. It's how we respond to weakness that is the problem. That we have a phobia around where we're weak and we project strength in areas and some of us deflect in areas and we hide areas. We embrace our weaknesses sometimes to a point where it's detrimental to us. For some of us, we just pretend like they're not there. We just keep, we gotta go, you know, we gotta go. And that fear of weakness kind of gets behind the wheel of our lives and it has control of the gas pedal and it just pushes And I see so many men and I talk to so many men and I myself deal with this. And I just think, man, what could we do? What would we be capable of if we weren't driven improperly? Because I think so many of us go through our lives and we're driven by something that does not have to be behind the wheel. And it's this drive. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to prove it wrong. I've got to prove everyone wrong. I got to make it, I got to out-earn it, I got to do this, I got to find my worth and my value in this. And we do it with work, we do it with our bodies. I see this all the time at the gym. It's a momentary experience there, just like for 45 minutes to an hour, where some men, you can tell, it's like, this is where I find my worth. This is where I have value. And I got to prove it. I got to prove that I'm something in this setting. And the fear of weakness is something that I think is... is, um, it's killing us. It's killing us. And we waste our lives going in directions that we ought not be going down because we're trying to answer a question. We're trying to prove something. We're trying to prove something to someone. Some of you try to prove something to your father. Some of you are trying to prove something to people that, that aren't even in your lives anymore. You're just trying to prove it. Just trying to prove it. And so I just wanted to say just for a second or talk about this for just a second, what is the fear of weakness, what does it produce? This is stuff that I've noticed that it produces in me. Because there's a commonality here with everyone. For some of you, it's a fear of weakness that's internal. It's me. It's a deficit that I have. It's something that I, I'm not so good at. This is why I get insecure around it. I'm not good at this. I, I struggle with, with this. Some of you don't deal with that at all. It's not internal. It's external. It's a fear of being a, in a particular circumstance. I'm not going back to that. I can't go back to that. You guys just got to keep driving. Got to keep going. Got to keep moving because I can't go back there. And I think it's time for us as men and Christ following men to rise to another level where the fear of weakness doesn't drive us so much. The fear of weakness will keep us from things. And there are just a few things that I wanted to talk about in that regard. The fear of weakness will keep you from asking for help. The fear of weakness will keep you from ever saying, hey, I I need help. I saw uh, a post uh, yesterday, uh, Blaine Bartell, as many of you know him, he posted this. He said that the, Barna did a statistic, uh, a poll, and I forget, the percentage was incredibly high. It was over 50% of children, boys by age 11 have viewed pornography, 11. I know that that's something that I'm sure many of you have dealt with in this room. And I would say that it's the fear of weakness in an area that keeps us from raising our hand because we don't want to be viewed as weak. We know we're weak. You know you're weak, but you don't want people to see you weak. And if people see you weak, then then everything sort of unravels, but it keeps us from raising our hand and going, hey, you know what? I need help. It keeps us from learning. It keeps us from growing. It keeps us from, from getting to a place where we can learn from the person next to us and say, you know what? I could use some help in this area. I could use help in this area. It could be anything. But the fear of weakness keeps us isolated. It keeps us internal. The fear of weakness will run you ragged. There are guys I know that are just constantly, constantly working. Their phone never, ever, ever stops ringing. And the compulsion to pick it up day or night, rain or shine, because they got to keep going. It runs them ragged. They're exhausted as a result of it, their families are afraid as a result of it, But the fear of going back, I can't, I can't go back to that circumstance. I can't go back to that position. I will never go back there again. And so it's just this driver and it's behind the wheel and it's just flooring it all the time and just go, 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 go. And the fear of that weakness will keep you in this place where you're just spinning all the time and it will run you ragged. It will ruin your life. It reduces margin, but it's just, it's this noble thing. Like I got to take care of it. I got to provide. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep earning. I got to keep making. I got to keep proving. The fear of weakness will run you ragged. The last thing I want to say is this. The fear of weakness will keep you from making it right. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peace has to be made. It doesn't just come it has to be made. One of the things that I have noticed in, in my life and being in lots of different situations is that it's really hard for us, all of us, to admit when we're wrong. I think it's especially hard for men to admit when we're wrong. There's a massive fear of weakness there to say, hey, you know what, I made a mistake. To admit it to your wife, to admit it to your children, to say, hey, I'm sorry, dad was wrong. It's not weakness to do that, but that there's there's this fear, this fear of being vulnerable, this fear of feeling exposed. There's this fear of feeling like you're in a position where people are gonna see through you. And so you just have to keep projecting strength. And you think that in your projection of strength that people view you as strong. But that man who walked into the weight room that day, he thought that we all thought he was strong. He walked out of there thinking, I showed them because he was projecting strength where he really didn't have strength. And I would say this, that admitting your fault, admitting where you're wrong is robbing, you're robbing yourself, you're robbing people of peace. And Jesus said that peace has to be made. And I think it's a very manly thing to be able to look people in the eye. It could be people you did business with. It could be people that even, have even hurt you, but you had a part to play in that, and there's no peace there. And you live in this place that's trying to prove it, trying to prove it maybe to them, trying to prove them wrong, whatever it is. And you stay in this spot where there's no rest. And I think that this is an epidemic. I think this is something that plagues a lot of us. And Jesus said it has to be made. And I think it's for us to stand up and say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. Be a peacemaker. Last thing I'll say is this. I think that fear in any form is really misplaced worship. It's just misplaced worship. Because when you're afraid of something, it's where you're setting your focus. And God gave us a gift. He gave us an ability, all of us, to... Set our focus to set our minds to set our imagination on him and to thank him for who he is But whenever we spend our time in fear whenever we spend our time in a place where we're trying to cover We're really taking the gift that god gave us to bring glory to him and we're taking it and we're turning it internal And it's misplaced worship But jesus said blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of god This is the way you get out of this. This is the way i've seen for me is whenever you give credit to where where credit is due, wherever you give, when you give praise to God because he's the one where your identity lies. When you know that, when you put your identity in God, when you put, give him your weakness, surrender your weakness. Some people pretend their weakness isn't there. Some people embrace their weakness to the point where they're apathetic and they don't move. But if you surrender your weakness, if you acknowledge your weakness and give it to God, like Paul says, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And I just want to say this, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to have areas of your life where you're not quite nailing it. What's not okay is to be afraid of it and build a fortress around it that no one is allowed into. That's the part where we start to have problems. That's whenever things start to erode and that's when we just live with this internal gap and we never find peace ourselves. So that's what I wanted to say to you this morning. I would would ask you, today, just whatever you do, ask yourself, where are you insecure? You know. You know these areas. You know where you have a hard time dealing with insecurity, the parts that you don't want anyone to talk about. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your body. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's the way you parented. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. It's your working relationships. You know what they are. I would acknowledge those things. And then I would say, God, I give you my weakness. I'm insecure. Acknowledge that to God. Just tell him, this is where I have a hard time. And I'm projecting strength where I don't have any. And so I just ask you to take my weakness and I'll take your grace and your strength. That's it. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness to us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for being strong where we're weak. Lord, we give you our weakness. We open our hands. We're men, and it feels like that there is a standard. It's a standard that has been put upon us by the culture that we see. It's a standard that maybe was put upon us by our fathers, but there's a bar that we feel like we have to reach. And Lord, sometimes that bar can be crippling. And as we sit here, we sit here with deficits, Lord. And I just ask that you give these men the strength to open their hands, to acknowledge the deficit, not to hide from it, not to pretend that it isn't there, not to deflect it, not to protect it, but to surrender it and just say to you, thank you. And I ask you, God, for strength for every single man in this room, me included, to fill the gaps so that we can acknowledge you. If we have all strength, Lord, we don't need you. But you leave us in these spots where we have deficits because it's meant to bring us back to you, to get us to a place where we will put our knee on the ground and say, God, we can't do this without you. We need you. It's your love for us. And I just thank you for allowing our weakness so that it can produce something in us that pulls us to you. Thank you for drawing us close by the power of your spirit. Thank you for these men. Thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our lives. We give you credit in advance because we know you are working in us to will and to do your good pleasure. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. One more thing, real quick. If if there's anyone in this room who's Come into this space and this is an odd environment for you. You're not used to the church thing, or maybe you are used to the church thing. Maybe you've been in this before. Maybe when you were younger, you've disconnected from it. You came today because maybe a boss invited you, a coworker invited you, a friend invited you. But if you're in this room and you don't have a connection with God, and you have been living on your own strength, you have been living by your own power and you feel the void. You feel the the deficit every day, and you know you need an anchor, you know you need strength. If you're in the room and you would say, yeah, that's me. I need to do something about this. I need to make a change. I'm going to ask you to do something. Men are looking around and that's fine. It's a very bold thing to do to say in a moment in a room full of men, I need help. I would say, don't let the fear of weakness in this space keep you from taking a step. So if that's you, if you're in the room and you say, hey, I need, I, I need this, I need Jesus, or I need, I, I, I'm, I need prayer, I need someone to help me. I, I've been running off the rails. I've been, I know I need this. I'm gonna ask you to do something real quick. I'm gonna ask you, if you would, just to slip your hand up. Anyone at all? I see your hand, buddy. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Anyone at all? I see your hand. Thanks, guys. One last opportunity. Anyone else? Okay. Okay, let's do something real quick. Let's all just let's all just pray one more time for these guys. Almighty God, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for calling the hearts of people that there is not an environment, not a moment, not a room where you won't walk in. Because you love us so much, you're chasing us down, you're frantic for us. You're not distant, you're not far away. You're close, and you're calling us, always calling us, always calling your sons. I thank you for calling your sons, and I thank you for the strength that follows their act of faith, and we pray for them, and I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it.